bit of a tough year ahead for breweries by the look of it. You're perhaps aware of the CO2 shortage, which is becoming more of a reality as each day goes by. And then on top of that, you've got changing drinking habits to cope with. Uh, the CO2 is partly down to the end of refining at Marsden Point. Since then, uh, carbon dioxide, which is used uh, in brewing, has been coming out of Caponi. Uh, the plant there, but that is shut for maintenance, so we're getting a bit short. Uh, there's also a growing demand for alcohol-free beers to contend with, so uh, why don't we go to uh, somebody who knows all about this Garage Project. Uh, co-founder Joss Ruffell is with us this morning. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing? Not so bad. CO2, at, at the beginning it kind of looked like a bit of a scare story, but it's very real now, I gather. Yeah, it's a, it's a bad situation that's got worse. Um, when Marsden Point went down, we were able to eke our way through. We started importing CO2 from Thailand in bulk as a country. And now with the Kapuni shutdown, which uh, the current one was completely unexpected, uh, there was planned maintenance for next month, but it looks like the plant will be down for all of January and if not, February. And that is putting a severe shortage on, on the entire country's CO2 needs. There's simply not enough supply of bulk gas uh, around. And, and you use it in, I mean, that's what put the, puts the fizz in fizzy drinks, is, am I right? It does. I mean, it's used in a, a raft of beverages. It's used to carbonate soft drinks. Uh, it's used in the wine industry. And then in beer, we have natural uh, carbonation. We, we do produce CO2 in our fermentation process naturally. And we can capture some of that, but we use CO2 all through the process for cleaning, sterilizing, and packaging our beer as well. So it's a really critical resource for beer. And is it still the gas that's used to uh, literally pump beer uh, when you've got a pump in a chiller arrangement? Absolutely. So bars and restaurants and cafes that have a tap um, dispensing beer or wine, they, they can be using CO2 for that. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> well, that, well, that's a bit of a nuisance, uh, isn't it, that you're facing there? How long can you go on? Uh, we've been told that it will be given 30% of our normal contracted supply levels. Um, you know, we're, we're doing everything we can to substitute CO2, uh, make invest, pretty significant investments in capture recovery technology so we can reuse what we're naturally producing in the fermentation. Uh, but, you know, it has been an issue for us. It stopped us from packaging certain beers for weeks at a time. And this, this current shortage looks even worse. So, yeah, it's, it's going to really severely restrict what we can actually produce and package in the first half of the year. Uh, and if you're waiting for CO2 for packaging, I mean, th that stuff has a shelf life, doesn't it? Before it, You've got to get it bottled or it, it's gone. The beer, the beer can sit quite happily in tank if you can keep it keep it cold and it'll, it'll sit quite happily. And that's what lagering as a process is, is keeping something cold for an extended period of time. It's just not ideal to have beer sitting in tank when you've got empty shelves and people screaming out for it. Yeah, uh, and you want to fill that tank with your next batch, I suppose. So um, something's, got to, something's got to give. Uh, what about the adaptation that's going to be necessary with drinking habits changing? Are you seeing signs of that yet, Joss? Yeah, we've seen a massive shift in the last 12 months. We released our first non-elk beer, uh, Tiny, uh, towards the end of last year. So that's a beer with 0.5% or under alcohol by volume. And that's just completely exploded. Uh, we've, we've seen a, a huge increase in demand, uh, which really, really caught us by surprise. 
Uh, but it seems like people's drinking habits and patterns are changing and they're looking to moderate. Uh, and then also I think these, these non-elk beers uh, are very different to what we previously had. You know, the, the tools and technology that we've got available has come a long way. So they're, they're really packing a lot of flavor just without the booze. Okay. Uh, and this is the younger market, I gather, that is interested in this. The old folks that uh, still like their beer will always like their beer. I think it's I think it's across all all demographics we're seeing. Uh, you know, men, women, old, young. It's uh, it's people who like beer. Uh, maybe they want to uh, have a tiny or non-alcoholic beer and then have intermix that with their regular drinking. Through to people who maybe want to step back completely and are still wanting to have that that sensation of drinking a beer, uh, having something to be out and socialise with and just find, really, find themselves really comfortable drinking a tiny or, or another non-elk product. Do you see it as a fad or something you're going to uh, maybe the, follow the European pattern and you know 10% of the market will be zero alcohol in a few years? I mean, if the trend is anything to go by, we're, we're seeing huge growth in America and Australia and we're following suit. Um, and you know, as I say, the, the beers are getting better and better. So... We are getting really compelling um, aromas, uh, really great drinking sensations from these beers. So I think it's here to stay, and I think it's a great trend. It's something we really welcome at Garage Project, and we're investing a lot of resource into making sure we can keep putting out new and interesting non-elk beers. Well, I hope you get a solution to the CO2 problem uh, soon. Otherwise, there won't be any beer at all. Um, That's right. Be very flat. (laughs) That very flat. Thanks so much, Joss Ruffle, with the uh, garage product, uh, the garage project, I should say.